It's a special day. We got a few things we're kicking off. I told you last week we're kicking off a new season. Well, today we are kicking off a new series called Good Together. And I'm excited to preach this to you. We're also launching groups and you can be a part of a group today. But what we're going to do in this series is we're going to discover God's plan for our relationships. The reason I'm excited is because I know that this series of messages is going to help each person here because there's not a person in the room that doesn't want to have more meaningful relationships. Unfortunately, meaningful is not a word that most of us can use to describe the relationships that we do have. And, and the reality is most of us spend more time thinking about what we're going to have for lunch than we do thinking about how we can improve the quality of our relationships. And even if we do want to improve our relationships, we often feel like we lack the tools to really know how to make that happen. But that's going to change in this series. It is possible to have relationships that are meaningful, that are fulfilling, because relationships are God's idea. So we're going to look to God's word together. He's going to give us some wisdom. It's not my personal wisdom. Although I do want to say you have some pastors that have a great marriage. It's good to know that there's people that I'm not just telling you something that I'm not practicing or living out. But regardless of what the relationship is that you're focused on, I, I want you to get in your mind. What's the relationship that you'd like to see improved? Is, is it your marriage? Is it a friendship? Is it a family situation? May, maybe you're here and what you're concerned about is trying to keep all your family ties from pulling the strings in your life. Maybe you have a relationship that you know you need to end and you'd like to know how, how can I break this off and still stay in one piece? Maybe your relationships are great. You just like to know how to take it to the next level or, or even if the thing you want is just to know how to find and have the right relationships, you're going to be able to do that in this series. Now, I do want to tell you you got to commit to come every week because if you just come for one week in this series, you're going to walk away with an imbalanced view of what I want to share with you. It'd be impossible for me to tell you all the things we want to cover on the subject of relationships in just one 30 minute sermon. So you got to commit to be here for the next five weeks, unless of course, commitment is a problem for you, in which case that might be another reason that you need to be here. But uh, where we're going to start today is by going back to the beginning, all the way back to, to the very beginning, way back to the book of Genesis. So if you brought your Bible with you, you can find your way to the book of Genesis. And if you didn't know, Genesis simply means beginnings. It's the first book in the Bible, and it tells the account of how everything started. And what we find at the very beginning in Genesis is that God designed us for relationships. It's interesting to me, though, because one of the very first times we see relationship in the Bible is when there's the absence of it. Now, before we look at our scripture, I need to give you a little bit of context and not just context. I need to help you understand some hermeneutics. Anybody know what hermeneutics is? Hermeneutics, you are so smart. Like just by being at this church, you are learning so much. Hermeneutics is the study of scripture. It's how you read and interpret scripture. And there's a principle in hermeneutics. It's called the law of first mention. Here's what that means, is that whenever you see a subject 
mentioned in scripture for the first time, that first time sets out and sets up some foundational truths about that subject. So when we look in scripture at the very first relationship, what we see in Genesis is that God created Adam. And you have to understand when he initiated creation, there were some significant things that happened. You read about it the first day, he said, let there be light. He separated light from the darkness. And he said, it was good. And the next day, it says that he organized the land from the waters and he, he portioned them and set up the land from the waters. And, and he said that was good. And then the next day, he, he commissioned the land to bring forth grass and seed and be fruitful. He saw that. That was good. Then it says that he ordered the lights in the sky, the stars, the sun and the moon, and he arranged that. He said that was good. Then, then he told the sea to bring forth fish and flying creatures in the air. He said that was good. The sixth day, all the land creatures, he formed them, said that was good. The sixth day, by the way, is when he created man, when he created Adam. And he did all this. He saw it was good. He said it was good. But what's interesting to me, there is there is something different with Adam. That's what we're going to look at in Scripture. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God formed Adam. And then in verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. God made all these things, said it was good. And the first thing he said that is not good is for man to be alone. Now, it's interesting to me that he would say this because you have to understand that God is making a statement when he's doing this. And what he's saying is he's not establishing a standard. He's highlighting a need that we were created for relationship. You, you understand, like, this wasn't an accident. Like, nothing catches God by surprise. It's not like he did this, and you know, I didn't think about that, that I probably shouldn't have made Adam by himself. No, there's something that we need to see. Now, admittedly, this is a little bit hard for me to receive because, if I'm honest, sometimes I like being alone. Anybody like being alone sometimes? You've seen some time to yourself? You guys are so antisocial. <laughs> My wife, she told me her dream vacation is just, just wants to go to a hotel room and be by herself. That's, that's all she wants to do. And believe it or not, these two, you know, loners have a great marriage. But understand, when God said it's not good for man to be alone, he's not talking about moments of solitude. He's talking about a life of isolation this natural tendency within all of us to turn inward. And for me, when I read this verse, someone who self-professed likes to be by myself sometimes, it's almost like a slap in the face. It's almost like God is saying, hey, you got to get your act together. You can't just be by yourself. You got to be in people's lives. You got to be around people. Get your act together. And, and that's what I want to call this sermon today, if you're taking notes, get your act together. And, and really, if you don't take notes, 
you can help me preach this by just turning to the person, and you know you've always wanted to say this to them, just look at them with disgust and, and tell them, get your act together. You can slap them if you want. It's an anointed slap. Just call it the laying on of hands. Get your act together. That's a phrase I heard a lot growing up. Get your act together, mostly from my dad. I, uh, I'm the youngest of, of four kids. I have three siblings. I'm the youngest. I'm also the smartest, the best looking, most responsible, favorite. And, uh, and they're not here to dispute that, so you don't know whether that's the truth or not. But highlights a point that I, I want to talk to you about is, is I, I grew up some siblings, and you got to understand, with, with siblings comes something called sibling rivalry. Some of you who have siblings, you just wave your hand at me, you know, I'm telling the truth. If you don't have siblings, just consider yourself blessed. But sibling rivalry. But in my house, we'd have these fights. My dad would tell me, get your act together. And uh, in our house, we didn't just have sibling rivalry. We had sibling reconciliation. Because it wasn't really so much about my parents trying to stop the fight, it was about trying to make sure we forgive. And they got really creative with it. I mean, we had to do all these things like, you, you know, I had to make sure the person that we harmed knew that we were sorry. So like if we did something, it's like, okay, now you got to do their chores for them. Let them know. You say something mean, you, 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 you have to say three nice things to them. But the big one was we always had to hug, like always. Any parents make their kids hug? That's good. Do that. Make sure you make them hug. It's, it's part of reconciliation. A, a few years ago, I came across this one. This was a new one to me. We didn't do this in our household. It's called the get along shirt. Has anybody ever heard of the get along shirt? Just wave at me if you know what the get along. Have you ever, anybody used the get along shirt? A couple of you? Okay. You're twisted. Um, I, uh, <laughs> the get along shirt, if you don't know what it is, it's this oversized shirt that you put on the siblings to teach them that they have to get along. That if they want to go someplace, they have to go together. If, if, they, if, if they want to get a drink of water, then they are going to have to decide together and, and move together. Whatever it is, they're going to have to act together. Now, I'm not suggesting, I see some of you taking notes, like get along. This is not the relationship advice of my sermon. Okay, I'm not trying to suggest to you that's a good tool. I'm not telling you I've used it. I'm not telling you that you can get it for $19.99 on Amazon. They have same-day shipping. I'm not suggesting any of that. But the principle remains the same, that in life, many of the people that we fight with that are frustrating, we don't realize that we actually need to move together. That's what Jesus is saying, what, what God is saying in his word in Genesis Genesis 2.18, it's not good for man to be alone. He has designed us to succeed together. Now, this isn't just a Genesis principle. You find it all throughout Scripture. One of my favorite places where we see this is in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I've preached on this before. It starts in verse 9, but let's look at it together. It says, two are better than one. If the one falls, the other will help the fallen one. But woe to the solitary person. That means I feel sorry for you. If that one should fall, there's no other to help. See also, if two sleep together, they can keep each other warm. 
Looking forward to preaching on that one. How can one keep, how can one alone keep warm? Where one alone may be overcome, two together can resist. You're stronger together. A three-ply cord is not easily broken. It says you're better together. Two are better. It's an advantage to be in a relationship. Essentially, what it's saying is there is an advantage in your life that comes through relationships that doesn't come any other way. Advantage. Maybe that's the first thing you should write down, that word advantage. Relationships are an advantage. To put it differently, when you isolate yourself, it's a disadvantage. When, when, when you keep yourself secluded, it's a disadvantage. It hurts you. It harms you. It creates problems in your life. I, I want you to see, this isn't like a helpful suggestion. This isn't like, hey, this is some, some good advice. This is some wisdom. You should make a note of it. You should consider it sometime. Maybe when you get around to it, try it out. No, I want you to understand, this is the way God created us. He has wired us for relationship. And when we're not, it hurts us. Now, I would planned on preaching this series and this message quite a while ago. I planned these things out far in advance. And it was interesting to me just a couple weeks ago, this article came out on Vox. I saw it on social media, looked it up, and maybe some of you have seen it, but th this was the headline, is that the U.S. is experiencing a friendship recession. And then it went on to say that the, the point of this particular article is that men have been hit the hardest. So I just want to give you some of the stats from this. It said, according to the AEI survey on American life and Gallup, you probably heard of them, the percentage of men with six close friends fell by half from 1990 to 2021. So essentially two out of every four guys had six close friends. Now they're saying one out of every four guys has six close friends. I'm going to say one in five men say they have no close friendships. Research shows that social isolation can weaken the immune system and make someone more likely to suffer from a variety of illnesses. So they're, they're saying it's not just that people don't have close friends that is actually impacting their health, their physical health, their mental health, not just their emotional health. And obviously it goes, it goes without saying this isn't, this doesn't just exclusively impact men. This impacts all of us. When we don't have close relationships in our life, it harms us. I, I Googled uh, just some more research because I want to have something a little more uh, that applied to everybody. And if you Google the word loneliness, you'll, you'll, you'll quickly see things like epidemic mentioned. But here's some other stats that, that I found for you. It says 52% of Americans say they are lonely. 47% of Americans say their relationships with others are not meaningful. 58% of Americans reported that they sometimes or always feel like no one knows them well. This was maybe the most surprising one. It said single or not, 
57% of Americans report eating all their meals alone. Now, I'm not here today to cite studies to you, but I am here to suggest that perhaps what God said in the beginning still applies today. That when we isolate, when we seclude ourselves, when we resist relationships, it hurts us. Solomon would go on to reiterate what God said in Genesis in Proverbs 18. He says that a person who isolates themselves rages against all sound judgment. That's why I want to talk about the first relationship. Now, when I said I want to talk about the first relationship, I'm sure many of you jumped ahead and you thought, okay, we're going to look at Adam and Eve. And I do want to look at Adam and Eve, but understand that's not the first relationship. It's not the first relationship in scripture. The first relationship is between Adam and God. Adam and God. You just read the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. What you find is God created Adam and Adam walked and communed with God. They fellowshiped together. It says that God would come in the cool of the day. He would talk with Adam. He would walk with Adam. Adam had a job. And Adam was complete in that. He wasn't a half person. He was a whole person long before Eve ever came into the picture. And he was in a relationship with God. So if you're here and you're single, maybe one thing that you need to know and just receive this word, and this is the, the word for your soul today, is that you don't need to be married to be complete. You can have a full life. You can have a rich life. You can have a complete life. You don't need to be married to be complete. So you don't have to be married, but you can't be alone. You shouldn't be alone. Now, you got to understand, we believe in marriage at this church. I'm going to talk more about marriage in and throughout this series. We honor marriage. We recognize it as a covenant between a man and a woman. And we think that marriage should be honored by all. But what I'm trying to point out is that God didn't create Eve for Adam's completion. He created Eve for Adam's calling. Calling. Say calling. You might want to write that down. Calling. See, calling, admittedly, it's, it's kind of a churchy word, but what, what calling means is it's what God has created you to do. It's the purpose why you're here. And I'm not trying to suggest to you that you only have one calling. We have multiple callings. There's multiple things that God has called us to do. But I just want to point out to you that before God ever brought another person into Adam's life, he gave Adam a purpose. You see this in scripture. A few verses before we read verse 18 and verse 15, it says, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. And then the next verse says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So God made him a helper. Why? To help him with what God had called him to do. And in your life and in my life, 
God wants us in relationship to help us with what he has called us to do. I'll put it a different way. You cannot fulfill God's calling for your life without God's people in your life. You cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life without God's people in your life. You need God's people. The problem is when we get the people out of order. We get the relationship out of order. And if you give priority to God's people or to people, to the wrong people, over God's purpose, you're going to end up with problems. There's an order to relationships. And I know as soon as I say this, some of you are thinking, I get it, Pastor. I know exactly where you're going. You're telling us family first. It's family first. I would say, you know what? I'm glad that you value your family. Your family is important. It's one of the most important relationships, but it's not the most. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know. It's my marriage. My marriage first. And if you're married, I would say, I'm so glad that you value your marriage. And let me be clear. Your marriage, your spouse is more important than your kids. It's a good place to clap. <laughs> your marriage, your spouse, some of you need to hear this, is more important than your kids. I tell my kids all the time, you joined my life. I didn't join yours. <laughs> you need to know where you rank. I love your mom more than I love you. Just understand that. It's the best thing for kids. But your marriage is not the most important relationship. Your most important relationship is with your heavenly father. It's with God. And if you get this out of order, it's going to mess up the rest of your relationships. Whenever we get the order wrong, it causes hurt. And if you put your relationship with someone else before your relationship with God, you're going to lose them both. That's what happened to Adam. He prioritized his relationship with Eve over his relationship with God, and he hurt both of them. And just as a principle, whenever there's competing demands with relationships, whenever there's competing priorities, always choose the higher relationship. If you choose the higher relationship, you'll save both of them. If you, if you choose the lower relationship, you'll hurt both of them. And I need to qualify something here because there's a lot of people that don't realize this, but your relationship with your church is connected to your relationship with God. Now, I'm going to tell you something that is very challenging, but maybe you just need to tell yourself, my pastor loves me. <laughs> All right. I love you. I want to help you. It's going to be hard for you to hear, but you need to hear this. If you're not connected to a church, you're really not connected to God. I'll say it again. If you're not connected to a church, you're really not connected to God. I'm not saying that you're not saved. But I might question if you're a Christian. I'm not saying that God hasn't saved you. But if you're not 
connected to a church, you're really not connected to God because Jesus said, I will build my church. Now, we looked at this last week, but a little refresher. That word church is ecclesia. Ecclesia means people who are called out to assemble together. So he didn't say I've come to build a bunch of individual Christians who can operate independently. He said, I've called to build a church. I'm going to build my church upon this rock, this revelation of who you said I am, Peter. And upon this revelation, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, the church is not a building, but it is a gathering. It is an assembling. That means if, if you're a Christian, you should be part of the gathering, part of the assembling, if possible, in person. Sometimes that's not always possible. That's why we have church online and virtual. I'm so thankful for not everybody can get out. Not everybody can leave their home. Sometimes there's not a physical location that's close by where you can assemble. I'm thankful for everybody online who watches every week and you consider us your church and you contribute in the ways you can. We see you. We love you. We thank God for you. But the church is an assembly. It's a gathering and it's connected to your relationship with God. And I, I need to explain why this matters because as important as your relationships are, your marriage, your family, your relationship with other believers is the only relationship that's going to make a difference in eternity. Your marriage is not going to last forever. One day you're going to die. Your family is not going to last forever. But the, your relationship with other believers will continue into eternity. That's one reason why it matters. Here's the other reason why it matters. is because all of us have a thing. And I, I know I wish I had a better word, but I don't know what your thing is. I have a thing too. You, you don't know what my thing is. Sometimes, you know, depending on the week, I've got multiple things and it switches from week to week. But all of us have a thing. Here's what I mean by that. You can write down that word thing. All of us have a thing that we need. And whatever your thing is, God has designed the church, this community, to meet that need. You might not realize this, but there are over 20 different blessings, benefits, and experiences that you cannot have or experience for yourself unless you're connected to a local church. I just want to read a few of them to you. These are commands, imperatives, experiences that can only be found in the church. This is what it says. Gather with one another. Encourage one another. Love one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Comfort one another. Serve one another. Forgive one another. Submit to one another. Be honest with one another. Strengthen one another. Teach one another. Care for one another. Do good to one another. Be united with one another. This phrase, one another, shows up 58 times in the New Testament. All these different things that we read, these are in letters to churches, to Christians, about what it means to be in relationship together. Not in relationship with the world, 
But the church, the church, this is what it means to be connected. Your, your relationships are supposed to be a conduit of God's strength in your life. Now understand, I said they're supposed to be a conduit, the, the system of God's strength, not the source. They're the system. And whenever we mistake the system for the source, we turn our strength into a struggle. I want to illustrate this for you. I ask these guys to, to bring this for me. Relationships are the system that God uses. They're not the source. And what people don't often understand when we talk about community, because like every week we say, hey, we are a vision-fueled and faith-filled community, changing lives, transforming a city with the message of Jesus. Let me tell you what we mean by community. Community means we prioritize the weekend. We come together, we worship God, we receive from God, from his word, it changes our life. We come because we have something to give, to bring. We give God our worship, our attention. We prioritize the weekend. Hey, we also gather. We gather in groups. Groups are where we're connected. We pray for one another. We strengthen one another. We encourage one another. We support each other. That happens in groups. You know, we also serve on teams. Teams is part of community. That, that means we're joined together in a mission, making a difference, doing something bigger than just ourselves. There's nothing else like knowing that God is using you to make a difference. This is what we mean when we say community. And I'll meet people all the time and be like, yeah, hey, that's great. I got community. I got, I got people. I, you read that scripture that two are better than one. You know, a, a, it's like a cord, a three-ply cord. I got that in my life. I, I hear you. I know you got people. You, you grab dinner together. You go see a game together. That's awesome. You got the system. Let me tell you something, though. I don't have a three-ply cord, but I have a three-plug cord. Three-plug cord. And this is what it looks like. I can plug my stuff into here. Plug it all in. Got this one here. But I'm not connected to any source of power. You got the system, but don't mistake the system for the source. The source is God. You need biblical community. You need godly community. You're plugged in, you're connected. And here's the thing, these devices, this is like you and me. And you can tell I'm, I'm part of the Apple cult, I mean ecosystem. <laughs> and these devices are amazing. My life is on these devices. I can do so many different things with these devices. My sermons are on here, my notes, my calendar, all this stuff. Unlimited potential, run organizations from these devices. No matter how much potential they have, eventually, if they're not connected to a source of power, they're going to be useless. But they're plugged in. It's the system. It's not the source. On the flip side, I see people <laughs> that if there's an outlet over here. They're close to the source, but it doesn't matter that there's an outlet right here. I can be close to this source of power all day long. It is not going to help my phone. It's only when I get connected in relationship. This is my prayer for each person here. If you're here, you're part of this church, you need to get connected. 
You've been waiting on God to bring a solution. He's been waiting on you to make a connection, to, to find the connection. I would ask that each person here would take one step today to get connected. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe you've been coming to church here for a while. Maybe you're new. Maybe you've been coming six months. You've never been to Essentials. Let me be clear. Essentials is not for somebody who just gave their life to Christ. Essentials is for everybody in this church. If you've never been to Essentials, you should go. That's why we call it Essential. It's for you. Maybe we have groups kicking off today. Your next step is that you would find a group that fits with your schedule, that there's some people, and get connected in relationship. I'm not saying that the other relationships, that you need to cut those off. You, you need to be connected to some people that are plugged in some power. You can love God, you can be a Christian, but if you don't have some godly community in your life, you're going to be like my phone, close to the source, but not connected. And if you would just take a step today, whatever that is going to be different for everybody, you'll find God's source of strength in your life. Here, here's my prayer. I, I think that for, for all of us, maybe there's something in this message that God has been speaking to you about. That's been my prayer that, that I, I, I had this burden to give you this message because I believe you needed to hear it. That you would get your act together, whatever it is that you need in your life, whether it's the the advantage, whether it's the thing that God has called you to, whether it's that thing that is sometimes hard to quantify, that thing that you would get your, your acts together and get connected today. What's the step? Maybe for you the step is you've misordered your relationships. You've, you've had the wrong priorities. You, you put the system above the source. You, you thought that if I had my marriage right or focusing on my kids, but you, you disregarded the priority of where God needs to be in your life. Maybe you missed out on the benefit. You've been isolating yourself. You thought it was easier. You thought, I don't want to deal with the trouble, but you need to figure out that you need people in your life to do what God has called you to do or to recognize that you have a place to be a part, to get connected. Can I pray with you? I said every head would be bowed and every eye.